Welcome back to Real Jew News. We're broadcasting live here in Tel Aviv. I'm here with Moshi and Dr. Goldenstein. Oy Introduce vey. yourselves. I guess I'm, I'm Moshi Goyam. <laughs> My mom all right. kept bugging me till I got a doctorate, all right? <laughs> all right, so we're back with the second part of the Nationalist Academy. Um, if you want to hear our book reviews in the... First part, please check it out. In this, we are going to just talk about some general philosophic and political concepts. They may or may not be related to political events that have happened, but just anything that interests us and is relevant to the topic of conversation. Now, my book review was the 26 points of the Falangist um, doctrine of fascist um, Spain. However, I have... Um, I have up right now the 88 precepts, and <laughs> I've been reviewing them, and here's the thing, I don't actually agree with all of them, and I think my main disagreements with that can be summarized in two particular points. Now, I hope you both don't mind if I read out these two particular points and we can talk about them. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. The first point I disagree with that sums up... Um, a part of it is um, number 11. Truth requires little explanation. Therefore, beware of verbose doctrines. The great principles are revealed in brevity. Now, I don't... I, I personally just find this to be false. I think that a lot of great doctrines like, like you know, fascism, national socialism, etc., etc., even... even European um, philosophy. I know. I think it's very complex. Even if you take the idea of physics is is a is a natural law, and this this you know the eighty eight precepts highly praises natural law. Natural law in itself, it is a very complex you know doctrine, as it will, as it will put it. I I think this particular point it's just simply not true. And in the context of this, it's it's talking about the doctrines of um. Of more of morals of in particular um, Christian morals. It's talking about if these doctrines, these theological doctrines, are overly complex, then they're just simply not true. Now, now, do you all agree with this? Hmm. I, I'm always skeptical of people saying that things can be simplified in any way because usually they can't because there's usually a lot <laughs> to unpack there. Though simplification does make it easier to converse these ideas with people who may yeah, not Yeah, the be... one exception to this, I think it's an Albert Ein, Einstein quote. Yes, Einstein, but um, but he, there, his particular quote on this is, if you cannot explain something simply, then you not don't truly understand that. I can, I can take that as a pretty, you know, as a, a mostly true statement. However, the idea mm. that if you can't, if something can't be explained simply, then it just simply isn't true. I just find that to so, be overly gonna, false. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you to an extent. I think I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one a little bit. Sure. So Please humor do. me a bit. Uh, so who was the originator of this document? Was it actually Hitler or was it uh, somebody else? No, David Lane. David Lane. Okay. So I'm going to like kind of say what I think he means and if you can tell me if like I'm totally off base with this or something. But Actually, what I think he's addressing in particular is that specifically, especially amongst um, Marxist philosophy and doctrine and, and documents and, and literature and so forth, I think there's a very noticeable trend towards 
what I would call deliberate obfuscation, you know, like deliberately using very long, flowery kind of just lengthy tomes on this thing. And the idea here is basically that if the common man can't be bothered to read and understand your your um your program, then he won't know what it really is. So when you tell him that it's about class struggle and elevating the workers and so forth, well that all sounds good and fine. Like whatever you put on your pamphlets to lie to people basically can be easily understood but that what your actual teachings are is far too esoteric and uh, sort of has this kind of learning curve to it so I would I mean <clears throat> I would agree with both of you in that like m not necessarily just because something is true does that mean that it is can't be complex or difficult to fully explain or understand it's just this idea, I think, that, like, oftentimes people try to use complicated language to hide their true intention. <coughs> yes. <laughs> and rather than just, like, if somebody is being honest and straightforward, they will only use language that is as complicated as actually necessary in order to explain their, you know, what they're getting at. Right. And so, especially you know. from the historical context, you have a good point because they did very much seem like snake charmers of the working class. They would kind of blow this like Marxist flute about featherweights that he talks about for pages in Das Kapital. And then uh, Das Kapital is so fucking just dull and long and uh, it really so enlightened me personally. I would actually say that that criticism is unfounded because Marxism actually does give it it oversimplifies the explanation in particular of history it says what is history it is it is the class struggle the, yeah it. it's explained just by class Historical struggle just dial well, dial it yes yeah and, and that's a very that, simple thing like, but if you're actually analyzing history and saying what does history mean it's actually almost infinite almost approaching and infinitely complex there's so many different yes. contributing factors to it of it's, this was in the economical means means which was supported by this doctrinal means which was supported by this church and etc etc right yes and, if any given historian tells you that you can explain all of history through a single lens you should probably just immediately be skeptical of him Hmm. He he probably has some sort of ideological motivation for suggesting that. So you but, mean it's not all evil white people? Yeah, or God, what am I gonna do now? Mud gun germs and steel. But <laughs> Manifest <laughs> Destiny is explained by class struggle. Yes. But the Native um, Americans were the bourgeoisie <laughs> owning the means of land production. <laughs> but yeah, Dude, I think you can break his whole theory by pointing right. one counter example out. Like China. I think that Marxism is shape shifty by nature. So mm -hmm it becomes like almost childishly simplistic when it needs to be and it becomes like on just unfathomably unnecessarily mm. complex when it is trying to dance around accusations that are hurled at it like you should imagine marxism if you could personify it in your head as a sort of a jewish lawyer. atheist islam R R well, yes both of those true to a certain extent <laughs> like imagine a person who when they're manipulating the common folk they inwardly look down on them greatly they think of them as nothing but um of livestock more or less and they speak to them in this uh this very 
soft, simplistic, with small words voice that soothes them and urges them that they're there only to take care of them. And then when they... Six million goy. Yes. And then when they go to their secret kami meeting afterwards, they speak in such long, lengthy tracks about these large words that no one understands. So that when... Like if any... If you gave somebody a... I don't know, like... a piece of communist literature and ask them to read it. Like, they either wouldn't be fucking interested or wouldn't understand it. Like, I don't know. It's just... They they have... It's almost kind of like in the at the height of the Middle Ages when the Catholic Church had the Bible only in Latin and, like, 90% of the population was illiterate anyways, so they could just sort of do whatever they wanted. Like, that's sort of how Marxists are to their servants, if you right. will. They're, like, their little fucking brainwashed slaves that they just get to fight their battles for them. Like, they clearly Mm. don't believe that the caste system should be organized by economics, but they clearly act as if they believe that some kind of caste system exists naturally within the human population. What, like now or something? Well, just like the way that, you know, look at the way the Soviet Union was organized. You have a cadre and like a near oligarchy of people who work in the halls of power and dictate the lives and starvation and various other plights of all the people that live within the Soviet Union because they know what's best for them. Right, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, how did they how did they come to that position of power? How did they earn that? Right, it's or like, what oh, happens well, to any society that localizes, the, that localizes decision-making so intensely? They always seem to break down. Weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I th- I think that one is sort of I I I agree with you both in principle. I was not attempting to counter signal you, just to suggest an alternate explanation. If right. You will. Well, no, that's no, good. of course. We you need go that. Ahead and proceed. All right, and my second point, which probably more a lot more people will disagree with me on, but I think I have a pretty a pretty nuanced and way of explaining it, is point number eighteen. There exists no such thing as rights or privileges under the laws of nature. The deer being stalked by a hungry lion has no right to life. However, he may purchase life by obedience to nature ordained by instincts for vigilance and flight. Similarly, men have no rights to life, liberty, or happiness. These circumstances may be purchased by oneself, by one's family, by one's tribe, or by one's ancestors, but they are nonetheless purchases and are not rights. Furthermore, the value of these purchases can only be maintained through vigilance and obedience to natural law. Oof. Hmm. I mean, it, that does characterize European history really well. Mm, so and where exactly is your disagreement with the quote in order to uh, clarify, I guess, what we're discussing? My disagreement is, unlike most of, um, I guess, the traditional right and the alt-right, I don't, I don't subscribe to the theory of positive rights. I do subscribe to the theory of inherent rights. Now, here's, here's the nuance that I put with it. I believe all persons have inherent rights. Now, there's two particular points to caveat this and put it into a general context. Now, here's the thing. I don't equivocate humans with person. Now, I explain this (laughs) in my... I... Now, here's the thing. In my article where I... I think um, it's titled Classical Liberalism and the Alright, I kind of touch upon this, but 
A human's life has no more value than that of an animal's, with the exception that he is the only animal so far that can elevate himself to, to personhood status. And this idea of personhood is, through self-actualization, you actually, you know, no longer are just simple an anim animal who... You're not an animal who just reacts just to instinct, just to... Um, hedonistic pleasures of pain bad and pleasure good that you can actually act in these higher principles of of duty and self-sacrifice and objective goodness and everything like that and thus not every single human it, you're not a person you don't have these inherent rights just because you are a human with the same genetic structure a, a person who is born you know with um with like a severe mental retardation he he's just a human he's not he's not a person he's a meat machine that can you know react based on instinct and just pleasure and pain he's not a self-actualized person yet and this goes also with um fetuses too but however with the thing again i would like to bring up that humans do have a greater value than animals because they showed this ability to elevate themselves to personhood status the second point that I would like to bring up for the context of this is that a government does not need to respect and it a government doesn't need to respect the rights of every single person. It doesn't need to, you know, enforce the rights of people not within its own jurisdiction. The government stems from the nation to organize and protect itself, not everyone else. Whenever it in interacts with any other group, it's doing so out of its own personal interest. So therefore, it should be. yeah, it should be. That's the basic idea behind our whole movement and everything like, like that. But it's this idea that just because another group, even if they are persons, not just humans, and have inherent rights, we the government doesn't have to enforce them. They don't have to uphold them. They don't have to do any of these other things and also arguing that these other people have inherent rights too therefore we should invite them into the country is also Ugh. just it, it's also not an argument because just because a, another person within your own country is a person doesn't mean they have the right to come into your own house or be a part of organizations that the other people don't want everything like that so i think with these two particular contexts i think we can support the idea of inherent rights for people, not necessarily humans. I think humans are subject to natural law, as he says. But humans, because they have access to these higher principles of, of duty, responsibility, and such, they do have these rights of, if you, if you, for example, I love the way that the Constitution does this, is for every single right you gain, you have a responsibility. Now, I don't think it's... I don't think these are arbitrary ties. I think they they are from these responsibilities you gain access to these particular rights of personhood. So from from the duty of of if your country is in need, you're you're drafted into the military from that responsibility that you consent to be drafted should the need arise gives you the right to voice your opinion on how that military should act. It gives you the right in in the very democratic sense, to cast a vote on how that military should be acting. Now, it doesn't have to be a vote. It could be just merely voicing your concern or campaigning against it and such. But it's this idea of responsibility and personhood creating 
rights. Now, now, what do you all think of that? Do you subscribe to the positivist view of rights that the only real, well, the only, in quotes, real rights are the ones given by society and outside of society there are no such thing as rights? I think there are rights. I just think that we ha we live in a really good example of what happens when none of the responsibilities they're associated with are followed through on. I would mm -hmm. agree with and that's you. Very true. I would I would I would I would agree with that and suggest that like I don't know. <laughs> I would suggest that rights must be earned first and foremost. Ah, uh, Starship Troopers posting. And that once you do that, that it sort of removes that like people just having this basic sense of entitlement without contributing anything whatsoever. I, uh, to be honest with you, I would say that I naturally tend to ascribe to more of the idea of the positive rights, and uh, that's just because I tend to think of things more along the lines of the, the social contract and so forth. Like, I do, I do think that just, like, objectively, if you look at nature, there is no sense of a right that exists in nature. That's just something we came up with. It's like, it's a good idea. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing, like, bad about saying that people have rights. That's, you know, it's not like, oh, fucking how terrible. You said these people have rights. Like, no, I mean, it's it's good in principle. It's just that, like, like the example says, like, animals <coughs> don't experience anything like rights because it's something that we just kind of came up with. So I think that you can believe in rights and you can believe that they're good, but you probably should do so, like, recognizing that, like, yeah, we just fucking made that up to make sure that people aren't treated bad. <laughs> well, it's what, what it seems to me to be, and I do, I do tend to agree with you, but what it seems to me to be is humans live in and have lived for a long time in a state of, like, absolute chaos where anything can happen. Like, chaos theory prevails in the universe. And in order to cope with that, being that we're, you know, entities that wish to survive and reproduce – we create a structure around ourselves so that we can understand and see the world in a way that makes it more comfortable for us. Unfortunately, we've kind of reached a point at which that comfort has exceeded our connection to reality whatsoever. And I think that's where a lot of, like, the jarring, like, oh, my God, you know, the world is just coming to the end. It's the end, dude. Oh, my God. The globalists are going to all eat us and make us drink fluoride. Is because we've become so disconnected that when we are reminded of reality, it is very jarring to us. Rights yeah, would I function better, good. and I hate to sound like Ted Kaczynski here, but rights would function better if there were less things preventing us from th seeing the nasty side of the way that reality works and why we partake in the society in the first place. Hmm. So badass well, trips for everybody. That, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think even that, like, there's enough bad shit that goes on that people should see this. It's just people have become so kind of dumbed down and numb and tragedy has just become our um, kind of entertainment almost. Wait, like, wait, you could be killed tomorrow by a terrorist, so go ahead, <laughs> screw her without a condom. Yeah, basically, mm -hmm. like, tragedy, instead of, instead of, like, giving people recognition of the gravitas of life and how important it is that we do things the right way and try to make sure that we we lessen these things as much as possible. It's just led people to this sort of degenerate nihilism where it's like, well, nothing really matters anyways because fucking... It's the lack of personal responsibility. They, like, they think that the society or the government will deal with these particular problems if they just, you know, kind of throw I, their trust in see, with them rather so than personally going and doing something. I agree with you. I'm not... Uh, I'll, like, counter-signal you without 
doing it really. I agree with you that the pro the fundamental problem of our age is that people refuse to take responsibility for their lives, for their world, for their actions, for their nation, etc. I even go farther add, than add the libertarian perspective and think that people should take responsibility even for their own family and such. Like oh, you, yeah, you, you have a duty to I, uphold your family's name and legacy. If you're, if your yes. family have been metal workers for ten generations, then yes, if you have some kind of inclination to be a, a wood carver or something, that you should be. But if you have, you know, a, a, an equal choice between wood carving and metal working, then it's more, it's more, you know honorful and right. more duty-bound to take up that family tradition See, and uphold that. So the thing is, I fundamentally agree with you about that. That, like, most of our problems arise from people who... And I guess Tommy said it kind of, too. That, like, most of our problems arise from people not wanting to fucking actually deal with reality. That's where it really... That's they where, would you do know, it that's where the, if they that's were where exposed the cookie, to it. That's where the cookie really fucking crumbles. But my, where I kind of depart from you a little bit, because I think you align a little bit more along the traditional, almost conservative or libertarian lines, where you're like, well, if people would just do that. People won't just fucking do that. They will not. No. I'm sorry. There's not gonna come some, like, magical day where, like, all of the fucking brainwashed Goya mud slaves just wake up and are like, holy shit, I've been fucking up my whole life all this time like we have to make them we have to make them do it we must force them in all likelihood and what will really once happen we force them after a certain amount of time maybe they'll start just doing it on their own but unless we do there's like this shit isn't gonna end well all right i'm gonna go like, off on a little tirade here because that's a really <laughs> interesting point but i do think there is something to this idea that like groups of people feel the impact of tragedy very heavily upon themselves for very large periods of time. For instance, the post-World War II era, oh my god, we still hear about that shit. <laughs> Something well. like that is almost necessary to snap a group out of degeneracy. Yeah. Look at the French actually, Revolution and what it did to like the upper crust yeah, of French shit. society permanently thereafter. Even people who rise into high French society now are different than they would have been had that not happened. We are shaped by the experiences of those who came before us. And it seems like at this point we're on an inevitable course to something very nasty happening around us that will force people to either choose you're going to take responsibility for yourself or you're going to die, unfortunately. At least that's the way I see it going. Maybe I'm wrong, and God, I hope I am. Though, you know, normies, come on, snap out of it already for fuck's sake. We've been waiting on you so long. Like, mm -hmm. you can't survive without a, like, McDonald's near you. You can't go a day without eating, without kvetching endlessly, for God's sakes. Yeah, I, because I, I don't know, like, my natural inclination is to agree with you. I don't like the idea of the fucking nanny state, the just, like, mm -hmm. to make sure people are fucking, alright, everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, nobody's, you know, nobody's diverging at all. Like, I think that's fundamentally harmful at, at its essence. I just think that the path that people are on right now is so much exponentially more harmful than, like, a government telling people to do positive things. You know? I mean... It's, I it's not so much that, that, that I'm against force. It's that I think it's more... They'll be more inclined to go along with it and act in accordance with it rather than compliance. If you create a system around them that encourages and makes them excel when they engage in these practices rather than forcing them to 
particularly do it. And like Whoa, the way that I kind like of good leadership. Yeah, I know, but Whoa. the way <laughs> but the way I kind of conceive of it, instead of say, um, cracking down on, um, um, let me think, on international banking. Let's just put that as thing. Instead of <laughs> investing. Yeah, I know. I instead of down on international banking, yeah, but disavow. So instead of <laughs> instead of companies taking loans from international banks and putting their stuff in offshore accounts, I think you could encourage that system by saying by um, basically saying all companies who you know aren't based in the U.S. and don't have like. Um, the vast majority of their assets in the U.S. are going to be subject to tariff laws. Now, this isn't outright banning people from, you know, buying property or whatever over in China or, or what have you. However, they're going to be severely disadvantaged and they're going to be, you know, heavily punished by doing this. Another uh, kind of thing back down at the individual level is is um, degeneracy with drug use. Now, you could just outright say ban all the drugs, no more alcohol, no more marijuana, if we find you doing that shit, you're... No more you're, alcohol shit, nigga. <laughs> no, your head's going on the ground. Instead, I think a way to curb that is to create a system in which it's just... I think, um, I think peer pressure is just an underlyed, utilized force on, on our side. Um, Agreed. If, it's actually extremely powerful. I think if we can create a culture that says, all right, if you drink just for maybe like the artistic experience of, you know, experiencing a new wine or something, but they should, but if we have a culture that actually treats drunkenness, even in private as just a very shameful, just absolutely terrible thing. Like the same as if you were found in public naked, if, if you had that, you wouldn't need a law discouraging public drunkenness. It would be absolutely more powerful than that. And that's essentially how it is in a lot of European countries, if you you might be referencing that, but if you didn't know, like for instance in Italy, like everyone fucking drinks wine. It's a, like a culturally universal thing. They're drinking age of sixteen instead of twenty one, and like from the age of like five or six, they're already given like little sips of table wine, mm-hmm. just some like cheap five dollar bottle red wine at the at the dinner table. So they just. What ends up happening is that they grow up where with this idea that this isn't some kind of forbidden fruit that they have to go fucking engage in as soon as they turn 21 and become drunken thoughts. Mm-hmm. And hmm. so they have a they have this kind of cultural conception that drinking is fine. There's nothing wrong with drinking wine, but they have this sort of cultural norm and I I was told this by multiple Italian people when I lived there. This is not something I just, like, read somewhere or observed. Like, it's a almost universal cultural conception. that Like, drunkenness is considered extremely shameful. Like you said, even just, like, private. Like, oh, you're in your own home and you're drunk. Like, they would think... They would say, like, well, that person has had too much wine. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, so it is definitely possible to do something like well, that. And it's not. There's also like a very kind of maybe sounds very off-putting, but there is a very rational reason to just let them overdose themselves, and that you don't have to deal with them anymore. If you let that segment <laughs> of the population that's gonna go kill Bring itself back do natural it, selection. Let them do it, and then the people that don't want to do that will find that out very quickly. But Most people who have experimented with drugs have washed out of it extremely quickly. 
There's a reason for that, because they don't want to die. Their natural instincts take over, and they go, oh god, I never want to eat those mushrooms again. Very natural <laughs> process. It, it does not help that we make it the forbidden fruit, and then let people like the hippies turn it into, oh, this counterculture that's going to ruin your fucking life and your mind. Instead, let people have the bad experience and then go, okay, that's fine. Just don't do that again. Or if you do something bad on it, you're going to jail like everyone else. While that is yeah. very tempting, I, I have to disagree with that, that, that suggestion. I'm not suggesting making it a forbidden fruit type thing, but just making right. it like a matter... Just describe it as a matter Personal of a matter of course. Like right. in schools, like instead of demonizing it and saying that like the drug dealers are evil and out to get you, just treat them like you would just. I guess the way that schools treat like prostitutes, that they, they just say, "Oh, the, those dirty, shameful people." They're not so much that all oh, those evil, wicked sinners right. or anything like that. Not anymore. They're more just like. Uh, oh, those dirty people! You you don't want to really go around. You don't want to mix in with that crap. They don't make it sound cool by making it sound sinful. Right. They they make it sound like just like it, an it's it's just a shame lifestyle. It's like eh, right. they're not on the best path. <laughs> well, and that's exactly what I mean. It, it, we should not have the government involved. Is what I was getting at, but did not succinctly say. We should have yes. the social aspect take that over. Because they're more effective at it. If we've learned anything from the Puritan streak that runs across this country, it's that getting the government's hand in things doesn't usually make it better. Now, the exception to this are things that are overtly just stupidly dangerous, like meth, bath salts, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, croquet yeah. crack, no, and no, things that. like that. that. But, I mean, the very low-level stuff, such as, like, marijuana and ecstasy, from what I understand with ecstasy, as long as you have a lot of water to drink on hand, there's no lasting side effects. It's clinically That's about as bad as well. for your brain as methamphetamines, except it does not ruin your dopamine receptors, so you don't notice it immediately. Oh, so it is just as bad? Yes. I would say if, if ecstasy should definitely be up there, especially with the ease that people fall into doing it a lot and then destroy their serotonin receptors and for years suffer crippling depression from that. Ah, uh, all right. They become I social didn't... burdens really yep, quickly. I, I didn't know that, so thanks for updating me. But back on to the original point... I, I again I still have to think that there is such a thing as inherent rights because my idea of inherent rights are are characteristics of personhood that are just categorically a part of of um defi of defining that said personhood like if we go I think the founding fathers got a lot of the um got a lot of the inherent rights you know right for a good example to take is the second amendment what what's the second really amendment really about it's about it's about self-defense it's about being able to being able to fight back to enforce your will and everything like that and i think i think positive positivists that aren't just complete nihilists have to concede that every single person if they're being attacked it does follow with natural law that they have well, a right yeah, to fight back. Works. Right. And if you're worthy of the right, you will to be tested. Exa exactly. Yeah. And but this goes for other things too. In if if you're alone in natural law, unless something is you know otherwise you know some physical ailment or something, you have a right to to you know 
um, believe whatever you want. It, you have a right to, like, a religious belief, whatever that, like, religious belief is and such like that. Once you start acting upon that religious belief, that's a different thing, but in terms of, you know, believing in whatever, you know, ideology you want, speaking whatever you want, I mean, speak at your own, you know, at your own risk in terms of a predator catching you, but in terms of the actual content of your speech, in natural law, there's nothing against the actual content of your speech. It, it's... With with personhood, I see it as not just being an animal anymore. It's a it's a higher plane of existence. You have access to these transcendental virtues, and Evola would even advocate this. You you have the the right to it's it's not a right, but you have the opportunity to experience a heroic death to achieve these you know higher plane goals and to achieve those higher playing goals you have these rights in order to you know achieve it we sound like we're a few innovations away from a certain uh, german philosopher we were talking about earlier <laughs> it sounds like cole has more faith in humanity than i do <laughs> it's basically where the crux it, of our it's not faith in humanity through. like i said i don't consider humans it's to be just, inherently personhood personhood is very special honestly like I don't. I do. Well, maybe I mean, you just have a too general concept. I think, for the most part, maybe, maybe like twenty percent of current living humans have achieved achieved personhood. Well, okay, there. You know what? Actually, now we're back on board. You've caught my attention again. Right. <laughs> Actually, I think for I think the course the of civility, I think that I said at least twenty percent of the current human population needs to be purged, and everyone thought that was shocking. And now you're saying only twenty percent is good. <laughs> so. Well, no, I'm know. saying at least twenty percent have ach have achieved personhood so far. It's not to say that the other eighty percent can't. It's just that they either just through their circumstances won't or they haven't yet. I think I can't even say that the majority of people ha living through life have achieved personhood, but I would say that if we look at like the average life of all humans throughout history, I'd say maybe like maybe like 40 or 35 percent achieve personhood before they die. Right, with varying rates of various times. What we can say, and we can all probably agree on, is that personhood, whatever that is, is something that you have to earn. It, yeah, it's something that... Not that you have... Earn is the wrong word, because it's... You achieve it. it, it yeah, it's an achievement. It's, it's, it's like... self-actualization. It's having a heroic death. You don't earn a right. heroic death, but you, you achieve it. It comes about not just through your own determination, but your determination to create the circumstances that allow your determination to achieve well, a heroic death. It also death. seems like inherently something maybe that permeates back into our culture. We are predisposed to this, like the heroic, the mindset of the hero's journey, and like this need to like achieve in the world when it is extremely dangerous, and still to go out and face it. That seems to be a very salient characteristic of a certain group of people, which we are all a part of. Mm -hmm. And and another thing I like about the personhood concept that I have is that it adds another reason for society. What is the reason for society and government to protect protect the group, to protect the tribe and everything like that? All right, they're protected. Now what's the higher goal? It can't just be hedonistic materialism to acquire as much as possible. All right, that is the will to power, to achieve power, to achieve influence. Okay, now once you have this power, what do you do with it? Then it becomes the next step. The The greatest goal of that power is to help your vogue, your, to help 
create a society in which hmm. the other people in your tribe can achieve this higher goal of personhood, of of having power, of getting, you know, being able to self-actualize. The triumph of the will. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely part of it. And I, I, I like this idea of personhood because, funnily enough, funnily enough, it, it's just a quirk, but within um, Kant's um, philosophy with um, the categorical imperative of objective morality, any creature that has kind of like the in intellect to, to um, intellect and the conscious self-consciousness to um, act upon the categorical imperative does have the same inherent um, personhood rights. So that means that an alien alien species, if they come to Earth, they they if they're self-actualized, then yes, they still are applied to the same objective morality according to Kant, and likewise, kind of kind of. Um, tangentially with this idea of personhood that I have, they could also become persons as well. And it's it's not just the concept of, oh, I, and that's what I really dislike, this idea of, oh, you're a human, it has human rights. No, human rights aren't a thing. Inherent rights of that are categorically a part of being a person, I think that is a thing. Not human rights, it's not tied to a species, it just, it's not even just circumstance, but, um, but just happenstance that right now the only species we know of that can achieve personhood is human. Right. There's something. There is something unique about humanity that's beyond the fact that we're smart. There's something else about us that makes us rise above the things around us. Because we could have, in theory, been a smart group of apes that died very quickly. Mm. I mean, we see those tendencies within our own people. There must have been some section of people throughout history that was willing to push into very unpleasant circumstances because they had, uh, what is it, high time preference? Is that the term that a term of art that we're using today? Though while I'm speaking, yeah. I just want to point out when we're talking about self-actualization, don't immediately go to cliche Maslow and his pyramid of BS and modern psychology. We could talk about all that some other time, but just mm -hmm. you know, understand that Kant is saying it with a very specific purpose, very specific meaning. Mm-hmm. That's true, and for for the most part, in the general case, though. the pyramid is right, but I don't like this idea. I think it's in the second to top tier. It's like the abolishment of racial bias. It's like, it's like fuck off. What? It's like, fuck off. Are you, I never or saw like that. The, the end result of this is that you're Sisyphus, and it gets pushed back down the hill, and you got to roll it all the way up again. No, Talk hold on. Let me look at. Let me look at this. I thought the basic I thought, pyramid is okay, but I hadn't read into any of his like other views, so I don't. I don't know if he's got some fucking cringy shit going on. It's psychology, dude. Hold on, I'm pretty sure eliminating so. a racial bias was a part of the thing. Huh. Are you serious? I thought the pyramid was just like the base needs, ah, like food. He here it is. The the on the bottom part, it's psychological, which is breathing, food, water, sex, sleep, homeostasis, excretion. The next level up is safety, security of body, of employment, of resources, of morality, of the family, of health, of property. Next level above that is long love slash belonging, family, friendship, sexual intimacy. Above that is esteem, self-esteem, confidence, achievement, respect of others, respect by others. And on the very top of that is self-actualization. Morality, creativity, spontaneity, problem-solving, lack of prejudice, and acceptance of facts. 
Lack of prejudice. Yeah, uh, I know. It's just, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, fuck off, dude. Just because I, just because I can see someone as different, different skull size doesn't mean I'm not self-actualized. Fuck off. So with you that. mean as I've developed an understanding of the patterns, when I've reached this wisdom that has gotten me to the top of this pyramid, I should then give all of that up? No mm-hmm. wonder I roll back down the other side of it. Yeah, I know, and that's what I find so... Contra- I would argue that the Ubermenschian ideal is much better than self-actualization, but, you know... Right, well, when you're framing good, it that nice way... It's a nice term. Well, when with the Ubermensch, way, I, I think he it. does go through self-actualization. He distinguishes himself as an I. He distinguishes Sorry. his need for power and to exert influence upon the world around him. He, he he achieves this level of personal responsibility that that he is responsible for creating his own destiny, not just the system and people around him. I well, and what Nietzsche was really mm. good at was framing things in a very catchy way, and a way that like sounds cool. You know, all these years later, we're still going, oh yeah, the the will to power, man, yeah. It just sounds good. Like, he had a way of framing his thoughts, which were oftentimes scattered and bizarre, in such a way that they were appealing to you. Mm-hmm. They were appealing to Germans, and then when Kaufman translated them, they were appealing to us as well, going into today. Mm-hmm. Despite, like, the numerous attempts at discrediting him, even, you know, even just, like, the cultural trajectory that discredits a lot of his work, we still look at it and go, hmm, that's, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. That's what we're drawn to it. <laughs> the great Satan, though. I actually like his work quite a bit, even though he was weird. Yeah. I personally Probably. I personally like Evola a lot more. I I don't I don't like Nietzsche for this one particular characteristic that he doesn't follow a very logic based system of his philosophy. It's very much it's very much not even ridicule based. It's just kinda like, oh, these truths are self-evident, so why don't you come mock them with me? I mean, his dismissal of all of Kant's philosophy is just he calls it right. tartuffery, and, and that's that's the end of that. <laughs> right. He, and that, he was clearly very good at the, the art of bants. He was very mm-hmm. good at the art of bants. And he did it to literally every western philosopher that came before him that he ever got a chance to think about. Mm-hmm. Like, very clearly he was taking Socrates' method and running the Diogenes' direction with it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Talk about some levels of Greek cuts there, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And eventually, if I say all you these big words, y'all really gonna shit. think I'm smart. Mm-hmm. But but what do you think about this um this idea I have that once you achieve power through this will to power, once you achieve this, um you know, like, well, in our case, white ethno-state society, that it then becomes the goal of the tribe, of the state of others not just to protect but to help elevate the others in the tribe to personhood it's not that's what makes every prophet a prophet is that desire after they obtain that extra knowledge whatever it is buddha sits under the tree and drives himself crazy for three days then he gets up and he decides i'm not just going to go live in the hills with this i'm going to make the world a better place at least to his mind at that time Mm -hmm. and not in a better place place. in the hedonistic sense it's in a better place of elevating the other people to the same level Understanding that the better place isn't that hedonism that they seem drawn to. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I've, I've actually considered that one of my personal goals in life, is to hopefully wake the three people who listen to my podcasts up. <laughs> we have more than that. I know, I know. We have five. great fans, all ten of you. <laughs> awesome. No, we have like 150 people who never come onto our Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Even though we implore them to... 
to give us feedback. We have people listen to us from around the world, and yet <laughs> I've never heard from they any of them. Fucking... Do, do we have any? Do we have any non-white people listening to the podcast? Do we have like people living in like Somalia? <laughs> we have people who who are in Japan. Whether they are Americans in Japan or Japanese people, we still don't know because they won't talk to us. But they're out there. Secretly, the emperor is listening they to us. He, yes. he he wills <laughs> deep in his heart to restore the empire. <laughs> He's like, these white guys have the right idea. Color is right. <laughs> Fuck these other Asians. Then then mine. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because the first couple episodes we did do a couple segments where we talked about Japan and how fucking based they are sometimes mm. and that they're like implicitly ethnic and and their immigration policies make a lot of sense mm -hmm. and so forth we we just kind of did a rundown of like what's good about japan japan and japanese culture and then we talked about like why it was europeans and not them or the chinese who kind of explored and colonized the world like the flaws with their society and culture if you will mm -hmm. So it's funny because we discussed that early on, and like now we have these ten people in Japan who listen to the show. And if you guys are know. listening, I will say you guys got the best perspective on Western civilization. You saw it from the outside, and you knew how to copy the right aspects of it to work for you. Good job. They're the best counterfeiters in the world. Look across the Japanese. sea of Japan at China. That's the wrong way to do it, and that is a ticking time bomb. Yeah, they're suffering now. Even their currency and shit is going to shit. I love well, that. I mean, I love that 4chan post that someone that someone did. Maybe it wasn't even on like poll, but like int. But um, it was funny. It was talking about. It was basically ridiculing this idea that they're pushing now that Japan needs multiculturalism. It was like, <laughs> oh, the birth rates are going down. That means we have to raise raise wages. We're a nightmare. Oh. Oh, the old people are dying off. Now we don't have to pay as much in pensions. Oh, what a nightmare. And it just went through this whole list of things. Just like, oh, the national population is getting smaller. That means people have to become closer in tight-knit communities. What a nightmare. And it just went through all these fucking hilarious and humorous points from a poster in Japan. And... Fucking hell, they're pu pushing multiculturalism in Japan. Fuck that. Fuck that. We tiny island. We full. No entry. There's <laughs> Talk about a bear to poke. Fuck off, we're full. Like, you saw what it's they did to Nanking. Like, like, you really want to piss those people off? They go nuts. How are these people... I don't know. They're seriously like, what country haven't we completely fucked up yet? <laughs> like, every fucking country in the world has been ruined by globalism, practically. It's, ironically, the whole fucking world has been ruined. But Kim Jong-un smiles like, listening it, to this through a yeah, Japanese right. VPN. Basically, <laughs> that's what he's doing. But they're like, man, what country haven't we fucking ruined yet? Uh, Japan looks pretty unruined. Let's <laughs> ruin that shit. Shit looks Oh, yeah, and I forgot to mention that during my thing. When I was reading up on um, phalangism and national syndicalism, I actually realized that Spain was kind of the North Korea of the Axis at the time. And, and to right. explain this, I, I highly recommend, again, just look up on YouTube the Cleanest Race Lecture. It's a great lecture by a guy who's talking about just North Korean politics, and there's a trend in North Korean politics that whatever the Chinese and the Asians around them are doing, they like to quickly snatch up and say, we have the best version of it. We have the, the better version, the true North Koreanist or Koreanist version of it. So when Confucianism, we so so when Confucianism came about in China, they 
quickly snatched it up and they created their own brand of Confucianism and they said, we are, look at us, we are the most Confucian Asian society in the world, we're the best. Then after that, when, I think it, this happened a few other times, but another notable one was when Mao came along and wrote his, I forget what his books were called, um, what were they called? I think they were like the Mao Dialogues or something like that. <sighs> But in, then, in North Korean response, then came, oh, Mao is only the second best Asian communist. We have Junche Thought, which is the North Korean version of communism, and we have the best communism. And it's such kind, and it repeats this... They got that Kang mind. <laughs> yep. But it's not even, it's not even like that saying, we was kings. They don't admit that they're original, they just think that whatever they take... Whatever they take into the society, yeah, the they are the best at doing it. They are the best. They got the Midas touch. Yeah, and so I, I saw that when reading through the history, well, yeah, kind of the brief summary of the history of phalangism and national syndicalism. They kind of took fascism and they said, we are going to be the best fascists because we're not only fascists, but we also give the best to workers' rights and we're also going to... (laughs) Yeah, and we're also going to restore the empire and influence Hispanic countries. Frickin' Spain having this obsession with Hispanics. But I mean, the Spanish influence was one of the best influence on them. (laughs) Every time I meet people who are clearly very Spanish, man, do they play the one-up game. Especially if they're from Argentina for some reason. I don't know what's up with that. If there's anyone out there that's Argentinians are white. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, is it the Italian in you guys? You gotta always play one-upmanship with everybody? Like, what's going on with that? It could be the Spanish. (laughs) If we have any listeners out there, please get triggered and yell at me. I would love to hear from you. (laughs) Fuck you, man. You said shit about Argentinians on the last episode of The Woke. Fuck, I don't fucking (laughs) know. Fuck off. Hey, you let the not you let the Israelis come in and kill all those war heroes, you bastards. They also let in the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Whose team are you guys on? They're just like they just can't decide. Yeah, we'll let in the worst traitors in the world. And hey, you guys want to come in too? Yeah. It's it's like from the Godzilla movie. Let them fight. Invite both the Jews <laughs> and the Nazis to live with you. Then let them realize themselves who, who they are living with. Let them fight. <laughs> Sitting there with the with the uh, you all won't get the meme, but um, the uh, from fucking why I even lost the meme in my head. I just had his his name, but what is his name? Sh- Ikari from. From Doctor, I mean, yeah, the Doctor Kari hands. If you Google it, you'll you'll know it. But everyone who knows Evangelion will know the meme of the yes. Doctor Kari hands. Yes. Let them fight. Just watching the Jews and Nazis in their Argentinian villages, just looking down from above. Man, that's that's just such a hilarious. It's just a hilarious contrast, if you will. When Hispanics, when they can get nationalism right, they get it. They get it really darn right. They get Pinochet, Pinochet, and and the Mexican Empire, and all these other things, and they can, you gotta give Perón a little credit, even though he was a raging socialist. He did some things very right. Yeah, they can get things women. right, but they can also just tend to get things just so wrong with their widespread, you know, Marxism and socialism and all these other other kinds of just crap ideologies. 
Well, they repeat it to this very day. I mean, one day it's, you know, invest in Argentina. It's going to be the next world superpower. Then it blows up. Then it's invest in Brazil. It's going to be the world superpower. Because even if they speak Portuguese, they're basically Hispanics at this point. Let's face it. That's an experience of that region for some reason. And it repeats itself over and over in their history. They get something really nice and they drop it on the floor and break it. I don't know why, but it happens. I don't know really what to think about yeah. Brazil. I'm not sure if they could become with the right with the right like leadership and ideology if they could become a world superpower or not on one hand they have a lot of land and nat natural resources however in order to set up infrastructure for that they need to you know destroy that all that natural resources all that natural resource and everything like that it's it, it had to be a very very careful infrastructure plan in order to try to maximize the benefits of setting up infrastructure and maximizing the amount of um you know kind of um rainforest and resource producing areas that they do have I would even say that there's, like, a, another cultural issue that underlies that. Like, yeah, it's easy to say, hey, don't cut down the rainforest. But I think that as a nation, no offense to any of you Brazilians that might not be this way, but they seem to lack a certain will to achieve the result. They're willing to start, and it, they like to talk about it with everybody else. It's like the guy that likes to be on the football team so he can tell everyone how he's on the football team. But when push comes to shove, he's like, eh, I don't want to get hit. Mm-hmm. And that's it true. Seems like and that's like the Brazilian model for government. Well, they have like, followed okay. few, few ah, they have followed through a few times. They like they when they right. set up the protectionist industry for their cars, and it, it definitely did right. work. They set up their car industry very well. Good job, good job. You did that one well. Good job, Brazil. Now, what happened to everything else? <laughs> but every why did when you get an influx of Americans in the late 1800s, did you just like push them all out? <laughs> You don't think that would have been useful to have rich Americans live there? I don't know. No, foreigners get out, Brazilians only. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means these days. We're going to make everyone multicultural, Brazil, including mm -hmm. the people in the Amazon. Yeah, that'll work well. Yeah, fucking... The, that was some nutties. The fucking Amazon village people who have, like, never seen any people from outside... Like a plane flies over and they think it's a mm -hmm. demon. Like, yeah, that's gonna go real far. Please out. leave those people alone, for God's sakes! You know how much you hate the modern world. Well, like the don't bring them into it. <laughs> like the Sentinelese have with them um, with India. Them. <laughs> Just kill yeah. them, burn down the rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> but now the Sentinelese Sentinelese are a very interesting case study. I mean, I like to bring them bring them up because I'm like, I'm like. <sighs> It's not oppression that's holding these people back. You have to have a better a better explanation for this. They are not achieving, yet they literally have no outside and foreign influence, yet they haven't invented the wheel and they've been there for 500 million years or so. Hmm. It hmm. seems like their evolutionary track went somewhere else. Yeah, it seems like they have bows and arrows. That, that that's about it. That contributes to that. It sounds a lot like the Aborigines. Yeah, but prior to at least at least the Aborigines invented throwing returning stick. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, I mean that's actually kind of smart. Uh -huh. They invented the returning stick. Smart. The Sentinelese just have bows and arrows. They haven't developed stick technology yet. And they knew how to speak in a way about like dreams that really captivates British people. I fucking love 
dingo Twitter and Australian shit posting. It is the oh, it's, it's the fucking it's best. <laughs> it's objectively the best. And when part of and the when game. they talk about just the fucking avos, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so, so I. It wasn't even a 4chan post. It was on some other forum, and someone was like, the Aborigines invented a flying throwing weapon before anyone else. Can you imagine what it would have been like if they had been free of foreign influence and developed technology on their own path? And, and Australians just like, yeah, then we have some fucking abos flying around on some throwing spinning sticks. <laughs> <laughs> they had 40,000 years oh, without anyone else there. Living in an inhospitable place with poisonous animals, they really do a good job of keeping people out. Unless they're Anglos yeah. for some reason. Actually, that's the funny thing about uh, fucking um, Dingo Twitter and, uh, you know, like Australian alt-right is like, can you really blame them for not wanting to have fucking Muslims come into their country? Because all the animals that live there already try to kill you. So having exploding people come into your country doesn't sound like the best option to me either, but, you know. You I thought mean, you were safe when you put your boots on and a spider didn't bite through your toenail. Another then you walk outside and get blown they up. They got fucking crocodiles. Another classic shit, example like, really of Aussie shit posting that, distinct, that I distinctly remember. It was a threat a long, long time ago on B, and it was... And it was, and it was basically some inspired libertarian or ancab thing where you just like, <sighs> if I want to have a pit of snakes to to kill trespassers on my property, why shouldn't I? And some Australian poster is like, what do you mean you're not allowed to have a pit of snakes? That comes mandatory with every Australian property. <laughs> <laughs> it's just standard. <laughs> you didn't get your pit of snakes. Oh. No, but they're fucking great. They're just like, oi, fucking ass, fucking Jonathan, fucking Mazzy's country. I know, and, and that's why, and that's why I always say that each <laughs> European ethnicity <laughs> needs its own state. Fuck pan-Europeanism. The only countries, yeah, no, the only get out of here with that, Richard. <laughs> exactly, fucking. but Richard's all right, but that's not so good. Exactly, yeah. but the only countries that can have white nationalism and they should be their own distinct countries. It's not like we can merge. It's America, Canada, Australia, and the other two countries that are basically dead now, but could also apply were Rhodesia and South Africa. Now, I think it's Australia the is the closest. To, I think Australia is the closest to us, just in just um. I guess brotherhood is the right word. We're the closest, like, genetically right. and the closest, like, culturally. Canada, even though they're our northern neighbors, they have so much French and, and fuck them. <laughs> F right. Fuck Trudeau and everything like that. We inherited whatever shameless aspects got right. pushed out of the British Isles. I mean, for, for whatever fucking If Americans reason, kill us, we win. This is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I got this impression when I was in the military as well for some fucking reason. Basically... At least in the military side of things, I can't speak so much about the, um, like, just broader cultural things, I guess. But from what I gather, the Australians are kind of like our younger kid brother who follows us around and thinks that everything we do is so cool. <laughs> At least in the military. They're like, whoa, America's got, like, 11 aircraft carriers and nukes and shit. That's so fucking cool, man. But for some reason, <laughs> they took Canada and Europe's healthcare system. Fucking satellite yeah, cunt. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. they they cucked really hard on guns, too. Uh -huh. Sorry. To the Australians but that we know listen to us. Australia's the do. place where they need guns the most. I mean, fucking emus will kill you. Yeah, kangaroos can kill you. I mean, 
There's dingoes. You need them a lot more than me in California. I could beat up a leftist, but you can't beat up a kangaroo. You can't beat up a fucking crocodile. Unless it's got your dog. I mean, in fucking America, there's like only three big animals that can that can like really kill you and that pose a significant threat: bears, crocodiles slash alligators, and like cougars. Pretty much yeah. anything else, they will either try to avoid you, or they're just poisonous shit that you don't need a gun to handle. But I mean, fuck with fucking Australians, they have so many aggressive fucking animals, like you know, kangaroos, crocodiles. Kangaroos. They are they they have fucking these sharp toes on the end of their feet that'll gut you in an instant. Same with emus. Yeah. No, yeah, Emus no, can, no, like, no, kick no, their feet through. Literally the word to, like, kangs. Or <laughs> I'm just imagining a bunch of, like, nigger kangaroos. I love, the, I love those pictures yeah, of Dingo Twitter when they post the buff kangaroos that look like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> just, they, they literally just sit there and they're just, they're just resting posed is, like, them flexing their arms and, like, so buffed up. It's ridiculous looking. It's like raccoons in America. We've got those damn things. I don't know what your guys' experiences with raccoons are, but they remind me very much of going to uh, certain neighborhoods around me. Where it's like, you'll respect me if I stay on the other side of the street, but the minute I come near you, you are going to kick my ass. So I'm just going to smile and walk away. My so I will say, cougars, if they live around humans and have lived around humans for a long time, they'll just avoid you. They don't really want to fight with you. They just will eat things around you if you leave it outside. Mm-hmm. My dad had an experience with raccoon that was, I don't know, maybe it was the ubermensch of raccoons, but anyways, it was getting into our bird seeds. My dad went outside with a metal spatula and he smacked it in the butt as hard as he could. He said it felt <laughs> like it felt like he hit like just a solid mass of rubber and the raccoon just kind of lazily turned around like it didn't care asking like, "Yeah, what do you want?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think that's what commands respect for me the most about those creatures is they really don't give a damn about you. Like, a, a cougar will be like, okay, what the hell is this thing? Let me stay back for a minute before I pounce on it and eat it. Mm -hmm. But a raccoon's just kind of like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? You're not going to do anything to me. Mm -hmm. That scares me a lot more than anything that just looks scary. I don't know. That's me. Personally. Bears also have that kind of fear to them. They're they're food oriented. They're very food driven, and they're willing to push you out of the way. But at the same time, if you surprise them in such a way, then then that's when you frighten them. You can't really frighten them by yeah, showing no, force, true. by you know, like um, by being a big, huge, strong, muscular guy. They won't care about that. But if you're if you jump out in a way or do something very surprising, then that'll spook them. Right. Right. If you just act fucking crazy. A bear will look at you like, what is wrong with this? Exactly. Man? You know, like, they just don't get it. So, I mean, like, yeah, if you try to look all big and shit, they're probably like, okay. But if you're just like, <laughs> a bear would probably just look at you like, okay, I'm uh -huh. going to leave now. Please don't be weird. Fucking hell, maybe that's, an, maybe that's a natural instinct humans. in humans that we fear, we fear, you know, <laughs> insane unpredictableness. More than more than predictable, more than predictable. Not even malicious, malicious, but predictable acts of acts of um, authoritarian exertion. Right. Or even yeah. just like like social. If you live in a multicultural paradise like me, like even just the way that society becomes organized naturally in that jungle that emerges, like you can predict what everyone's gonna do. Just if you've known kind of that world long enough, you're just like, okay, they don't want to fuck with me. These these young kids though, they might, and that's what scares me. Not these older dudes sitting on a porch staring at me. What the hell are they gonna do? 
they don't want to go to jail either. Did you all see that RT report that came out? I think it was either today or yesterday, where where basically they were interviewing a um, Somali community in I think like either Michigan or Minnesota, one of the two MI sure. states, and they and they're basically like, D- would you rather live in under U.S. law or Sharia law? And they're like, yeah, we per- we would prefer Sharia. And they're like, do you- would you rather live here or in Somalia? And they're like, I would like to live in Somalia. It's it's just like you know, eyes popping out, then why the fuck are you here? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, on one hand, like, you may long for home, even though you know home's a crappy place. I've been through that, too. Uh, or it may be something more along the lines of just like, well, why don't we make this our place? Mm-hmm. Why not? And- Who's gonna stop us? Clearly not the people who live here already. And I think this is a characteristic of all groups of people, that when they go to a place for, for like, econo- economic means or anything like that, and this is the case for, like, most immigration, they go to a place for a hedonistically or materialistically better life and such like that. But when they go there, they try to make where they go as much like the old place as possible, even if it's contradictory to this better life that they do. So, if a Muslim comes and they, you know, set up shop in America, despite them being economically better off, even if they're aware that they came to be economically better off, they'll still they'll still advocate like Sharia law. They'll still advocate Muslim societies and even the old Muslim economy instead of this better economy. And we can see this throughout all cultures and all peoples i mean even if it's just even if even if it's like within like regional things if a a texan person moves to new york because of a job opportunity they'll still tell all these new yorkers how better it was in texas it it just kind of just like when a californian moves to texas he tells them how evil they all are and how they need to be more like california Mm -hmm. who doesn't love like skyrocketing crime rates it's fun, Goy. Fucking California. That land, the land is great, but the people are terrible. Well, yeah, it's the effect of too much sun. Tommy, we'll retake it. <sighs> we'll we'll use Cascadia as our base of operations, and after California falls, we will retake it. From I completely the expect this to not be part of the ethno state. To be quite honest, it'll be sad to leave. Not at but first, but we'll. No, no, no. It'll be our Sudetenland. Like, it won't be a part of our Reich at first, but then we'll claim... Right. Not the Sudetenland, the Rhineland. Reoccupy the Rhine. <laughs> well, yeah, except that, that we expect more resistance than, like, remilitarizing our own homeland. Like, we're gonna have to kill a fuck ton of people in California <sighs> if we try to incorporate it into Cascadia. Yes. Like a fuck, like millions of people. Would yeah, have I have to become Durlwinger. Well, it's not so much die; it's that they will die resisting we'll arrest leave, of being yeah. deported back to their own countries. Yeah, basically. Or they'll just start killing themselves because that's another natural instinct here. Apparently, <laughs> you guys hear about this, like that that show Thirteen Reasons, and then like the suicide outbreaks in California. Are Hispanics killing themselves in California? No, the few white people, and then Asians are, eh. of course. The only people susceptible to depression. Yeah, they like watch this show and then they just reason. kill themselves. Is that true? I thought Jews could get depression. Oh, they do. No, yeah, Jews. Semitic people can also get depression. They act it out differently. Like for some <laughs> fucking reason, black. And they act it out differently. The the amount of depression, depression a Jew has is directly proportional to the amount of references to the Holocaust he makes in his daily life. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. 
It's just, it's it's fundamentally oh. true. We need to write that it's in a book like, somewhere. That needs to get published. I can just imagine, just like it's like early in the morning, ball. like he's woken up for like work. He's you know just kind of depressed and he's sitting in a chair just waiting for his coffee. Then he's you know looking down. He has his his elbows on his knees and he's just looking down at the ground and he just goes, "Those damn Germans." <laughs> <laughs> Those filthy they think we do all day. <laughs> Another great example of projection by a certain group of people. Because they think apparently that's all we think about all day is how the Jews did everything. I know, and, and that's not even that's not even really true. The only time when we do that really is for ironic sakes. Like if we if yeah. if a mistake happens or something bad happens, we'll ironically say the Jews did it. Oh, the Jews put a Lego under my foot or something. <laughs> right, but they're so trapped in the echo <laughs> they chamber though. they don't get the joke, which is what makes it more fun to do. Personally, at least that's why I like doing it because like you guys don't get it. You think like literally, I want to kill you all. I have no interest in doing that. Oh my god, what a pain it would be! Mm -hmm. All the oives I could not handle. As you're shoving them into the oven, oive goyim. It's like I'm just sick of listening to you. Honestly, because you leave, it's just too much. Fine, you've manipulated me out of killing you. Now get out of here. (laughs) Call it Rotbard's list. God, God bless those concentration camp workers. They just, they really got the shittiest job. Dude. They had to keep a imagine? bear and an eagle alive in a cage just with Jewish food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Nothing but bagels. No, they the had Jews to make sure the they food. didn't kill each other in the pool. Oh, yeah, well. You know that pool they built just to torture them with? Mm-hmm. It, it was full of harsh oh, chemicals that agitated my asthma. Oh God! <laughs> That's what set <laughs> Alex Jones off. His wife Jesus telling him that Christ. story. Good old Alex. Alex, if you oh listen to this, we like you. But now we're gonna end the show. He's you are a meme that is just us, beyond belief. It, but he encourages it. He he's a self-aware meme to some extent. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if he's acting yeah. yet because when he came out of that courthouse, just guns blaring back into conspiracy nonsense about human pig chimeras and how evil that was. Because it's gonna be so evil for me to get a new organ. Oh my god, oof, that's gonna be bad. You gotta watch out, Alex. That was like, hmm. Either he's a really great actor or like he gets riled up really easily and is just a nut who is funny to watch because I think pissed. I think he's a great actor I think he can get into this mindset I mean it's the same thing with um when Colbert was doing the Colbert report acting as like a right-wing kind of right-wing centrist person he, they, he, he Jim Jones did that too really well because as we now know he was a communist who didn't believe in God mm-hmm. by the way if you if you guys haven't read about that go read about that you want to talk about some red pills he was trying to subvert the church structure from within and permeate the ideas of a working class revolution into the churchgoers in San Francisco in the 60s. Probably a pretty easy place to do that, but nonetheless. You're preaching in California about communism and socialism? Huh. Huh, weird. Yeah, yeah. Are you sure this is necessary? <laughs> right. Are you doing that on Berkeley's campus by any chance? What? You're preaching anti-fascist ideals to Antifa? Huh. Hmm. Have they seen themselves in the mirror lately? So, I, I heard a thing, a rumor. Is it true that that, that one um, anti-fascist like, guy and girl are just like actors doing like a thing? 
Who, uh, the Harry Pitts chick? I don't know if she has Harry Pitts, but the girl looks like she has a, a pretty face and big boobs, and, like, it's a really, really skinny white guy, and they always wear, like, the, the black masks, and they... And there's, like, you know, the meme of they're doing, if you want to shut down a fascist, here are a few chants you can do. Or you could use whistles. And so it, and it shows, like, a quick clip of them, you know, like, blowing whistles, like, and, and stuff, and stuff like that. And Dude, the levels of virtue signaling and, like, irony that's lost on everyone else because it's exceeded all rational bounds in the state create very special classes of people. If it turned out that they were being ironic, I wouldn't be totally shocked. If it turned out that, no, they mean this, I would not be in the least bit shocked. Go to L.A. and talk to a woman, and you will understand what I mean. Like, there's just something about the air here that has changed human psychology significantly. Luckily, I must live in, like, a pocket of air that's still like the rest of America. Go figure. Damn, damn, damn chemtrails changing the wind currents. <laughs> <laughs> best conspiracy because if you believed in that you'd always be entertained mm -hmm. and I mean when I used to be into a lot of more um, supernatural X stuff it wasn't so much conspiracies but I mean and I have a lot of conspiracies in this category that I have that could possibly be true but is not a pressing concern such a pressing concern that I think it's either to the extent or as malevolent as the conspiracy makes it out to be. And, I, and in that category are things like chemtrails. I've, I've seen evidence that, yes, there probably are various weather and um, NASA things done in planes to try to, you know, conduct experiments with weather. Is it as malicious as people think? No, no I don't think it's that malicious. Whether it's true or not, I don't think it's that huge of a deal. I mean, it'd be better knowing it than not knowing it, but at the same time, it's not like, it's not like, oh, we gotta bring down the government because they're going to kill us all with these things. No, it's like... Right. But at the same time, I don't like, oh, it's just a conspiracy, you're all nutjobs. I'm like, no, it's not that far-fetched to think that the government could be spraying things there in are the a air. Lot of conspiracies that I, they do it true. in local <laughs> municipalities all the time to control mosquitoes. In yeah, I know, and that's one of that's problems. one of the things like um, that they that I've even seen and that that's openly admitted to. They they have like trucks that just say, go inside. This is bad for you to breathe. Stay inside for the next 15 minutes, and they you know go by, fill the air with um pesticides and then once it all settles you can come back outside and i think at that sorry i got i have a hic hiccups for a second let me just drink some water now granted i could see the wisdom in wanting to kill off the denizens of miami-dade county because when i lived there i wanted to kill them off too but i don't think that's the goal when they're spraying mosquito poisons in the air just like if they're conducting aerial research they're probably not trying to kill people Mm -hmm. They're probably trying to discover some kind of technology or lesson that they can then develop out of that some either way to make money for themselves or some way that the government can improve the lives of people so that the people don't hate it so much. And in the case that uh, it's like the most malicious thing, I don't think there's so much outside of white genocide with replacement and everything like that. I don't think there are like malicious campaigns like to outright kill the native population like just 
without a sense of replacing them for economic reasons, such as the when they put um, syphilis into like all those bunch of black people in order to test the effects. Yeah, it's dubious. We already have these results and everything like that, but it's not like they're malicious in the sense that they want to kill every single person in their population with syphilis. It's it's more like okay, you're doing a really kind of malicious, but at the same time dumb experiment that you already have the results to. So I think that's well, really if, the extent of it. If they were truly trying population control on a global scale, they're missing the two biggest centers of population on Earth that are so much significantly larger than the United States. Like, why would they even be... Maybe to experiment a little bit here, but, like, if that was really the goal, I think they'd be spraying India and China. Yeah, and and that's that's another thing with, like, the, the um, genetically mod mod modified um, mosquitoes. I... I don't think it was it's intentional to try to spread Ebola and and you know do everything like that. I think it was a, a genuine just like mistake in Brazil. Right. Or well, no, it, it wasn't Ebola. Malaria. It was Zika. That was it. Zika, not Ebola. Malaria in East Asia has become drug resistant simply because people's ineffective measures to treat themselves when they had it has developed a population of malaria that is not susceptible at all to any known medication. That wasn't because the government was doing that. This was in the jungle that this was happening, where people were getting a little bit of antibiotics and spreading it out way too thin, thus creating an immune population of the parasite. Very interesting studies, if anyone's into that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I like doom and gloom. So drug-resistant bacteria and parasites, I'm all about that. Uh, mm -hmm. God I like laughing at black pills. What can I say? I, I, I've made it a, a personal thing of mine to never become blackpilled. I always hold this this idea with within myself that 132, as long as there is 132 people left of our race, then we can still we can still come back. We can still, you know, we can still survive. All we need to do is get be able to get 132 of our people in a self-sustaining like space station or spaceship. If we can do that, then 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 we're good. That's why I can't ever completely blackpill myself and say, "Oh, it's hopeless. Oh, we'll never succeed." I hold that idea as just you know, guiding torch. Okay, a random question that's almost very minus, like very minutely even related to this. Have you guys ever heard the leftist meme about luxury gay space communism? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was an all right. Uh, according to my socialist, I thought that was us making fun my of my socialist them. employee. That's actually their meme they started. What? I thought that was us parodying. That's what them I told him. Pointing out how I was like, usually memes that come out of the left are garbage, and they just get made fun of extensively. But apparently, the left is totally aware for the first time ever. Breaking news: This should be in the New York Times that people think it's funny, and so they're playing up that effect of it. Well, okay. So wait, they you guys realize you still look ridiculous mean, when you're advocating gay luxury space communism. I mean, that's almost kind of like that SNL bit that's like, oh, Tinder has 37 new gender options, also known as why the Democrats lost the election. And everyone lost their fucking shit because SNL made a funny about how crazy the left is. Boy, they... Like, they're totally right that that's fucking the average American does not identify with this philosophy this is there's 87 fucking homosexuality just just absolutely destroying the gen gender relations it's and destroying the whole slippery slopes are just a myth because it's obvious to almost yeah, right. everyone now what's going on 
It's obvious to me now. I, I, don't, I don't see <laughs> how people can still use that because it's just a matter of lo logical justification. If you if you can justify why gay marriage should be legal, then you can also justify why gay sex should be legal. And if you justify why gay sex should be legal, then you can justify why why trans people should be trans operations should be legal and trans marriage and so on. I mean, it's just a legal progression. Right. And it's almost like they ignore that then when they're looking at the right and going, oh my god, they're turning into Nazis. They're going to be Nazis soon. Oh my god. I know. It's, like, it, and, and it's so ridiculous. Trump is becoming this? just Someone like a huge neocon, yet they still treat him as like a, a Nazi. I know. They call everyone right of like fucking Bernie Sanders a fascist though so it's not I saw someone on on Twitter today who called Dave Rubin a fascist <laughs> you know the like the last liberal guy the guy who's like I mean he's he's anti-reactionary I guess you know so I I suppose you could categorize him under the uh, anti-SJW left I suppose along with like Sargon or whatever the fuck but like <laughs> calling him fascist is a bit of a stretch, you know. Well, like. people without names that are on the left who are like those kind of people that have like, logical consistency enough that they like go, go hold on, wait a minute. They're getting very turned off, at least in the experience anecdotally I'm having of them of the way that the left is reacting I, yes. right now. But this wasn't just some rando bitch either. This is like a blue check. <laughs> of course. Who is like Dave Rubin is a fascist and it's like, Well, you're a fucking idiot. Why don't you call people who call themselves fascists? Like, I would, I don't know, like, I don't know what company exactly I would say this in, but if I felt a, a reasonable amount of security in real life, I'd probably say, yeah, yeah, I could probably describe myself as something that falls under the broad umbrella of fascism. But if somebody says, no, I'm liberal, I just don't like you fucking idiots, they're probably not fascist. I mean, I don't know what exactly what they are, but they're not, they're not fascist. <laughs> it's almost like... Nobody people who, who disagree with nobody you who aren't all <laughs> evil. Mm -hmm. And this isn't Harry Potter. Right, like, nobody who nobody who doesn't openly admit to being fascist is no. fascist. No one is, like, secretly fascist. I don't know where this idea came from that, like, there are just millions and millions of fucking secret Nazis just waiting. It was the greatest plan ever Nazis implemented in World War II history. Mussolini, <sighs> seeing the end of the Axist, organized a secret plan in order to ship all the fa all the fascist commissars over, not commissars, fascist officers into America to implement in generations from now a new, a, <laughs> yes, a new, a new fascist empire. Who knows, your, your mother, your daughter, your that. children, your Keep father, your sister, your dog, they could, they could all, all be secretly from <laughs> Italy. Definitely your dog. It's like, people who are fascists usually tend to be fairly open about that, so I don't know what this fixation with accusing random people of being fascists It's almost is, like the fixation over idiotic. a certain senator who would accuse everyone of being communists. And we still yeah, lament well, that I event mean, in American history, but we don't notice when it's coming out of our own mouth. He wasn't even that wrong. It, he was a good <laughs> you mean boy, John McCain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. yeah. There was a time <laughs> when he wasn't so bad. Fucking John McCain and Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Please leave. I don't know about then that. he crashed. He just, he's fucking idiotic. I wish those fucking goofs Well, it's, the him. thing is, he thinks everything he does is justified based on the fact that he experienced that. Yes, it was a, probably a really unpleasant ser series of events that happened to you in that prison in Vietnam. 
But that doesn't mean you have to counter signal everything all the time. Dude, calm down. You're like a Twitter personality at this point. Like, you need to just chill a little bit. You're going to go Mike Pence anime in a minute. Whoop. Hugo Spurg. <laughs> and then just disappear. Lin I want, of the two, I want Lindsey Graham to leave the party the most. It's so clear that he's... He <laughs> He's not a part of, you know, our new GOP. He's 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 not. He's he was barely even a part of the neoconservative movement. He was clearly like a left libertarian. Yeah. <sighs> I'm a conservative so because I believe like everyone should have the right to be gay. What? What? <laughs> yeah. What? What are you talking about? Hmm. It's like what? what the fuck does that even mean? He's trying to explain his accent clearly. Mm-hmm. I do declare. It's like, motherfucker, get out of here. The right or, I mean, the left are the real homophobes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to know why we assume... That's probably some shit Paul Joseph Watson actually believes. Well, you know, while he's <laughs> checking out the gay scene in Budapest. Yes. So we assume that gay people all speak with this really weird accent that's almost unique to them. They're born that way, but they're not... They don't have any kind of disability... Because I can think of other groups of humans that are born in, like, because of the circumstances of their birth, they are different than the rest of us, and they talk different. Are you saying autism is a sexuality? <laughs> well, I mean... It, 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 me, affects your, yeah, it, it affects your sexual desire and the way you perform sex. <laughs> it's yeah. a sexuality. Body pillows. <laughs> Bingo. But we like that one, we just don't like the other one. Autism guys... is becoming an epidemic. <laughs> I love it. Donald yeah. Trump still makes good sound bites. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Keep pumping them full of vaccines, Goy. It won't blow up in our face at all. Never. There'll never be any negative repercussions for anything. Donald Trump is. That's why I can't this. honestly buy the like evil Jewish conspiracy thing because it's like if they would see that there's like really bad results at the end of this. Because they've seen that happen a lot in their history. Something else must be driving this. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, no. Or? No, like the, the tendency of that certain group to reach a certain place in societies around the world and then do things that really aggravate the host populations that the host population ejects them. Oh, they just can't help it. It ha Like, not everything <laughs> that they... <laughs> Not everything they do is part it, of some... It's just their natural group. inclinations. Sometimes it's it's, it's part of, you know, just... um. You can't... I don't know. I don't think you can reasonably reach some kind of conclusion that, like, literally everything that happens everywhere is coordinated from some kind of... No, no, no one, like, no, no one serious actually alleges that. Well, because no one seriously believes yeah. the government can even do things of the basic nature they've told everyone about successfully. How would they pull this kind of thing off constantly? That doesn't make any sense. It's all by accident. As Bob mostly. Ross would say, happy accidents. Yeah. No, this isn't happy at all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's not happy, but... Alright, boys, we fixed that, some... That sounds like a hilarious thing. just kind of YouTube meme, just like Bob Ross painting, and maybe he, like, stumbles a little in his brush moves, and he's like, oh, no, and it pans over, and, like, the painting is like... No, 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 it's, it's, the, it's that painting underneath, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the one of, like, the white genocide. Well, I mean, he's like, oh, no, oh, this isn't a happy accident at all. <laughs> Rumor has it that outside of that show, he had a little bit of a temper, supposedly. And I would not be shocked, though, because, like, no one's that happy. Come on.
And I'm not, I'm, I'm not even sure about the that guy's painting underneath the Eiffel Tower. I'm not sure if it's supposed to, if it's really supposed to be just like a fantasy of white genocide, or if it's supposed to be like, kind of like a, a warning is the wrong word, just kind of like an elucidation of what's going on. It could, yeah, that could hmm. be very much it. He could just be very tuned into that, and an artist that's unable to express it in any other way. I've heard he's backed by the Rothschild. He painted one of their ships for some boat race they were in. This is about the extent of the backing. Yeah. So, I mean... He's a living artist. Okay. I mean, he won't be I considered just, truly great until he's heard. dead, right? Because that's the meme. Yeah, right. Imagine if he's an artist who literally just paints nothing of, like, white women being killed by, by black guys. It's just, like, just everywhere. Just, like, on the side of the whole boat, just that, like, on a coffee mug. That is just, like, this is your form of art, huh? This is this is unique. <laughs> yeah, it's like that dude Brio that lives in Florida that just paints those like stupid cartoony like people kissing thing, and it's huge to some people. And it's just like his kitsch little like niche he's found in the art world. This guy found white genocide. How does want to arrive there? You <laughs> <laughs> see in the light. Maybe he is trying to warn people about it. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't even realize he's warning people about it. He's just kind of doing his thing and making money and going, hey, hey. What does this painting mean? It, it means white girls are getting killed. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't, I don't know. It's just happening by black guys. <laughs> it's <laughs> happening. Time. I think I was at a place called Baylor. And on that Jesus note, everyone Christ. have a great night. This has been the Nationalist Academy Episode 3. See you next time.